PR Stoppers Talk Brand Narrative, featuring Sabrina Macias, the Vice President of Communications at DraftKings. Here is our host, Doug Simon. Sabrina, thanks so much for being with us. And with so much focus on DE&I, you actually started your career more in multicultural marketing and then transitioned to more general work. How has that informed what you do? Has there been a benefit of that process? Yes, absolutely. I don't think I transitioned in intentionally. I think it was just part of the progress of my career. But when I did first start in, um, in PR almost 20 years ago now, wow, uh, my work was very much in the multicultural um, space. So I was very much focused on communicating to Hispanic, African-American, LGBTQ, Asian, you know, communities on behalf of the clients that I serviced. And so I spent a lot of time listening, uh, you know, becoming very attuned to sensitivities, uh, vernacular, just, you know, all of the things that are really matter to multicultural audiences and, and started to you know, finesse our clients' campaigns to be able to um, to direct and engage with those audiences. And then as I, you know, grew in my career and transitioned out of the agency side, and I was, you know, very lucky to be able to still utilize that when I was at NASCAR, uh, moved in-house into sports, and, uh, and they very much wanted to diversify their audience as well. And at that moment, I was, you know, kind of straddling both general market and, and working on, you know, their main marketing campaigns and, and communications, but also, you know, helping to diversify their audience and the media that covered them, etc. And then I slowly ended up at DraftKings where I, you know, mostly focus in, in the general market audience space, but still have very much the understanding and sensitivity to diversity. And I use that lens, I think, every single day. And I, I think it's an invaluable experience and understanding of culture and of communities and of consumers. And it allows me to do my job, I think, much better uh, for having had kind of that, that foundation. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the lessons that you've learned from that really do apply to a general audience. Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, as a communicator and our role in communications definitely includes, you know, foreshadowing, having the foresight of like, if we say this, what's going to be the reaction? And and more and more, all of that matters, especially with the uh, you know, uprise of social media and the fact that consumers can now speak back to you. And so I think the sensitivity, being attuned to the nuances of different cultures and communities and age groups, all of that matters and I think only makes the communication stronger. Turning more to the business side of what you do, um, DraftKings, we know that when COVID hit, different businesses were hurt in different ways. Obviously, sports shut down. How did you guys handle that and navigate through it? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing about DraftKings is that they're very innovative and fast thinking. Uh, we, we were a pretty big organization at this point, but but operate very much entrepreneurially and as a small little startup. I think we all kind of still think we're, you know, 150 employees big. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we were able to very much 
pivot to other entertainment factors that were happening uh, in, in, the, in the world and culture and all those things and try to re-engage our consumers with that in mind. And so we created a lot of free-to-play products, which allowed consumers to engage with uh, content that was really popular at that time. So The Last Dance uh, you know, documentary with Michael Jordan, which was a pivotal moment for all of us that work in sports and just so inspirational to watch. Um, you know, counter to everything that was happening around us. And, uh, you know, we did everything from talking about, you know, hot dog eating contests, political campaigns, just to keep our customers and just consumers in generally engaged and giving them something to do from an entertainment perspective while all of the <laughs> chaos was happening around us. Right. And it worked really well there. You know, we had a lot of engagement. They, they loved the various products that we were able to offer. And I think it's a testament to the creativity of the company and the ability to uh, or the willingness to take risks and try things and, uh, and, and learn and optimize and then, and then do it again. Yeah, you're a big believer in controlling the narrative. And some people, oh, you can't control the narrative. They're throwing their hands up. But you actually believe you can. Obviously, sports shutting down was the case. What are some lessons for people who might want to try and get more control over the narrative they're experiencing? We can debate whether you can have 100% or 0% control, but if you want to have more control, what are some of the things that have served you well? Absolutely. I uh, totally believe that the narrative can be controlled. And especially nowadays, when you have the opportunity to use channels to your advantage, owned channels and Social media is a great example of that. Uh, there's so many ways. I mean, media, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. There's a ton of opportunity to be able to really hone your message and deliver the message that you want. I think, you know, when I first started in my career about 20 years ago, we really had to rely on media to deliver our message. And that is a little more difficult because you, you I always say you have as much control up until the reporter decides to publish the story and then, you know, they can, they can really publish whatever they want. Sure. Uh, but but I do feel that the idea of being proactive and consistent with your messaging, with your story, with your narrative and building on your narrative consistently is, is probably the number one way to really control the message. I think from, a, uh, from our experience, especially on the crisis side, you know, a lot of people tend to get nervous and back off of a situation if they're being criticized or if um, you know there's there's something negative happening and i think that that allows the world or you know the communication measures whatever they might be to run away with your your narrative on their own and you're not actively participating and i think the way that you control that is to be actively in actively managing your messaging and actively kind of engaging in the conversation to ensure that your message comes across. And maybe that's a healthy debate. Maybe that's a reinforcement of your key messages. Maybe that is a, you know, refocus on something else. But uh, in general, I believe very strongly that the more that you can prepare in advance, definitely, I think the worst 
uh, ways for your narrative to get away from you is when you're not prepared. Right. Uh, so prepare as much as possible, rapid response plans, you know, lots of thinking scenario planning and thinking through if this happens, what would we do? If this happens, what would we do? And, you know, with my team, we always joke, there's so many plans and statements and, you know, things like that, that have, you know, been left in the vault because we plan for right. it and we didn't have to use it. And those are actually good days. That's you know, a good thing. Yeah. We're happy that we didn't have to use those things, but but we also feel comfortable because we do have a plan for every one of those aspects. And I think also as a as a communicator and as you know, kind of the the head of communications at my company, you also want your executives to feel confident in the products that you have, in the preparedness that that um, in the preparation that you've done. And so I think that's also part of your role from a communications perspective in, in managing out to your executive team or you know, your employees or whatever it is that, um, that you're working on. And Why? do you think that the message discipline is a key part of getting the leadership at the organization to buy into what you're trying to accomplish? Yes, I, I think that the messaging discipline is very important, uh, both internally and externally. I think there is, if, if, you, if you have an organization where there's multiple stakeholders and multiple spokespeople for, throughout the organization, it's really important that everyone's on the same page. So the more consistent messaging people hear more often from the variety of people that you have, the better. I think I read somewhere that it takes three times, someone to hear something three times before it really right. registers. And so being able to find those opportunities to deliver that message over and over. And I think, you know, like I mentioned, the social media is a great way to, to reinforce a message. So, you know, you do a, an interview on TV, you recap the interview on TV through, you know, a LinkedIn post post and then you tweet out the LinkedIn post and there you have your three touch points to reinforce those messages. And that's just one spokesperson. If you have multiple spokespeople or multiple people out in the um, in, in the app, like out just generally talking on behalf of speaking on behalf of the company, I think that just gives you an even bigger opportunity to reinforce that again. That'd be great. Well, thanks so much for engaging with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. 